Hello and welcome back. We took a break from making episodes this summer, but now that we're back in school, we plan to release a new episode at the beginning of every month. In today's episode, we'll be hearing how the returning CNR students spent their summers. Hello, Paul. Hi. So what did you do this summer? Uh, during the summer, I have been doing an internship in The Hague, uh, where I live, at a private conservator called Marjan de Visser. And for like three days a week, I've been doing a lot of testing. I got my own painting assigned um, and the owner of the painting gave permission for a lot of experimentation on it. It was a pretty large oil painting which was a copy of a Rubens painting but to be frank it wasn't a masterpiece or anything and there's not any certainty about budgeting for this so this was a perfect opportunity for an intern to do a lot of surface dirt removal, varnish removal. And so I've been testing a lot of the lessons that we've been taught during the previous year actually, like a modular cleaning program and I've been working with gels and stuff. Could you describe the modular cleaning program? Ooh, it's a, a whole lot of lectures before you get the, the basics of it actually. And it is making solutions that start with the pH value of the object and from there on you start to mix solutions using chelators and buffers to get at the beginning close to that pH and then making a slightly bigger difference every step along the way and with every step you test again if that is um, removing the surface dirt or sometimes even the varnish. Do you have a favorite cleaning program? I'm not advanced yet enough for that but I did get a lot of experience now with pemelin gels and that is really something different and it works really good I can tell you that. Did you uh, enjoy the people that you worked with at the internship? Oh how yeah, did, but How I, did you get it? Um, I've been friends with Marianne de Visser for a longer time. I mean, I've been looking after her cats and things like that when she was on holiday. So we go back quite some years. And so I just one day visited her and I asked like, hey, if you have a project that has been shelved for a longer time and you don't need to pay me much, um, I just want to hang around here and get more experience over summer with practical stuff. Mm-hmm. She said, well, there's a few objects and pick one of them and this is the one that came out. And Marjan is a private conservator, but there's always other people being available in the studio and everyone has been very helpful. Like uh, Maria Albrecht works there as well, part-time, um, and she also works for the Marlt House, for example. So it's a bit of a, a coming and going of many really helpful and friendly people who inspire you a lot actually. After all the restrictions of not having a lot of practical classes during the lockdown, it felt really good to actually be working on objects again and that's probably also why I really was eager to get an internship in summer break so that I could practice the theory more because we didn't get that opportunity in springtime. What did you do for recreation this summer? Did you stay in the Netherlands? No, no. I went to the south of Germany and a little bit of Austria to cycle through the Alps um, and I've been cycling for over 600 kilometers climbing a lot of rocky mountains with my bike and camping outside and it's because I live in quite a busy city and also Amsterdam where we study together is quite busy and I was like I need remote places and I don't want to of course I mean there's lockdown uh, I don't want to go to the most crowded areas ever uh, I just want to have a lot of nature and so I've been cycling with my boyfriend through the Alps and it was absolutely beautiful and we started in Munich and also that's where we came back and then of course you can't ever really let go of your interest so I've been to a lot of art museums as well. What was your favorite art museum you went to? There is a bunch of them together in Munich that have all their different 
approaches. But if you want to go for a lot of big, massive Rubens paintings, who doesn't? Then definitely Munich has a sort of national museum there. And that's absolutely wonderful to experience. And a lot of Dutch 17th century paintings there as well. When you were in Austria, did you recreate The Sound of Music at all? Ah, uh, no. <laughs> no. The hills were alive, definitely, but not with The Sound of Music. <laughs> so you went to Greece, like right at the beginning, and just spent the whole summer in heaven? Mm, yeah, it was good. Did you go home or did you travel around a bit? Yeah, I went to Athens initially, and then I stayed there for three weeks. And then I went to, to a place called Volos, which is a city by the sea and then there's like a big mountain next to it and there are lots of beaches around and then I went to my hometown stayed there for a couple of weeks and then I went to the sea again yeah we rented two boats there were 10 of us oh my god that was so good I hadn't seen the sea I mean I hadn't swam in the sea for five years so it, it felt a little bit like brand new feeling but at the same time something that was somewhere hidden inside me that feeling of like oh now I'm floating and now I'm swimming uh, was the water like nice and peaceful yeah not all the time but most of the time yes a little bit of wave but then again I was in this you know by the sea for 13 14 days in total so some of the days were not like peaceful water, but but it wasn't dangerous at all. Did you have the boats just for a day or did you like go boating for multiple days in camp? No, just one day, but we had cars. So we would go from like a beach bar to a beach bar. So different days would have different themes. One would be like rocky, rocky beach and then another one would be sandy beach and then you also spent three weeks in athens at the beginning what did you do so initially i visited friends so many of my friends were a little bit apprehensive about the situation some of them would live with their siblings that were scared about corona and some would have to do i don't know like renovations at home so they couldn't host me and then for a moment there i thought i would be like homeless and begging for a place to stay or like renting airbnb but in the end i managed to stay one week at a friend's place who couldn't come because he lives in london and then um, my professor slash mentor hosted me for a week. So we did some work together and that was exactly what I needed because I went from full on work to full on holidays, vacations. And it was like a bit of a shock. I was like, I'm supposed to be working now. I'm supposed to be doing stuff. Yeah, we wrote an article together about philosophy and ethics in conservation. So that was that was the best part, I think, because it was, you know, like a creative experience. Yeah. Has the article been published or submitted yet? Has been submitted. And I'll let you know when it's published. Yeah, please do. I'll post about it. Anything else that you did in Athens? I went to see the Parthenon. Ah! <laughs> and I hadn't done that for ages. I mean, I walked a lot in Athens, you know, around the city center, uh, like lots of different uh, areas. And then, yeah, one day we went to see with a friend of mine this artwork by Richard Serra, who's a, a land artist, and he did a site-specific artwork 
for Acropolis. Mm -hmm. So I went there with my friend uh, being like, oh, okay, I will just go and see that and then leave because we didn't have tickets. And then, uh, I don't know, for some reason, we just had this like phase of, I belong here kind of. So we blacked our way in basically. They were like, yeah, girls, you can go that way if you want to. And you have like 45 minutes to see the Parthenon. And we're like, I guess we're seeing the Parthenon today. Yeah. Oh, it sounds like you had such a nice nostalgic summer. Damn straight, that's the word. What was it like to be at such a touristy place during COVID stuff? Like, how was that? Uh, I know my way around, so I kind of know how to avoid them if I want to. And if I am in the touristic area anyway, I just put my headphones on. It's different. I've never felt like a tourist before, but now because, you know, things change, I hadn't been to Athens for a year and a half. So new bars, new trendy places, new, you know, festivals happening, festivals during COVID, not the festival you would imagine, but more like gigs for financial support of people in need and stuff like that. And then aren't you also speaking at a conference, like a Zoom conference later this semester? Yeah, it's called, um, it's a symposium by the IIC and um, the title, Double Trouble, the Impact of Replicas in the Contemporary Art Conservation Decision Making. That's a really interesting topic. Well, my position in that is not towards what's good and what's bad, more like I acknowledge their existence and I'm trying to figure out, I mean, what they do to the different stakeholders and how we can assess these different aspects of the replicas and how they influence our decision making. But more about contemporary art, like you can't really avoid it. <laughs> there are lots of different types of replicas in contemporary art. Yeah. Well, thank you for talking to me, taking a little time out of your day. Sounds like you had such a nice summer. I did indeed. So you stayed down? Yeah, I didn't leave the city at all. I moved house. So that took up a lot of time. And I didn't have Wi-Fi for like a month. Oh no, oh my God, what did you do? Well, it was quite an adjustment. I just spent more time reading and just like explored the city a bit more. Where's your new flat? Um, it's in the Oost. Oh, okay. So what areas did you bike to that you hadn't been to before that you got to know better? Well, where I live now is sort of near three really nice parks. There's Oyster Park, there's Frankendale Park and there's Flavor Park, which is sort of on the edge of the water. So you can just like sit there. Oh, that's lovely. Did you get any reading done if you spent a lot of time in parks? Um, yeah, I did read one book that's kind of related to conservation. It's about Vermeer and how he might have used a camera obscura to paint his work. So it's really interesting. Wait, is this by an artist? Yes. Yes, I read that last year. I just loaned it to Manet. Oh, that's a great book. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, and I, I love the amount of reconstruction work that she did. Yeah, that was really interesting. So, so you had a month with no Wi-Fi. What else did you do to entertain? Unpacking took so long. Yeah. <laughs> Biking around, reading, unpacking. Have you ever been down to the boss? You would like it down there. Oh, I really want to go there. Yeah, I yeah. can't have the time to figure out the route or anything. Yeah, well, you got to go before the weather gets terrible again. It might be nice in the autumn, though. How did COVID affect your summer, do you think? Yeah, without that, I probably would have gone home, seen my family, trying to make the best of it, I guess. You sent me the photos for your objects. They're all banners for textiles. 
They're all from, well, three of them are from the International Institute of Social History here in Amsterdam. And then one of them is from the Fries Museum in Friesland. What are they banners for? So mine is for the, I think it's like typesetters union. Yeah, like with the printing for. Oh, that's yeah. cool. So we've just started documenting them, starting on a kind of conservation proposal. Yeah, I gave tours to the new students and um, mm. Emmy was talking about one of the banners and how, you know, it's not just textiles, it's textiles and wood. Yeah, metal, paper, I think there's some in mine. And she also said that you guys are going to be doing a washing workshop later this semester. Yeah, we had the washing workshop this week and we were using wash baths and the suction table. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. Had you done anything like that before? We did wash two little white dresses. Um, yeah, I had a christening gown. Yeah, they were kind of stained with, you know, sweat or whatever, mysterious brown stains. Um, Baby stains, yeah. Yeah, that was one of the things that had to be delayed because of the Atelier Cabal having to be closed. So we were like catching up on the cleaning workshop this week. All right, well, thank you for talking to me. I know technical art history, you kind of didn't get, I mean, you got a summer, but you also kept on posting for the Turtle Project throughout the summer. I th think mid-corona, you went back to France? When it started, I already was on my way to France. So then there was no question about if I wanted to go back or not, because then I thought, I'll just stay in my parents' place, which is a big house. So for me, that was the best place it could be. Uh, we were supposed to have practicals. And the thing about our master's program is that we have a lot of theory, but also some practical. And so what the teachers managed to do is to rearrange the schedule so that um, we would have most of the theory at that moment. And then say, we postpone all the practicals to when we physically meet again in September, if everything goes fine. Some of the courses had to be redesigned. So we had this t turtle project that you heard about on social media, which was Irma's idea because she was already working on three carapaces that she found at the Rijksmuseum collection. For her, it appeared as the perfect idea for something to work on together because there was a lot of background research to be done. So because we knew everyone was staying at home, we thought it would be ideal to share on social media where everyone was really active at the moment. So it was a good way to also reach out to people in a non-physical way. So that was really nice. And every week we had meetings and we talked about the project. Everyone had to take turns to write a blog article, so everyone had to write too. And every week we discussed about how our research was going and uh, the ideas we had about the content. We were also sending some emails to people that could maybe, or that could potentially um, know a bit about what we were searching, so museums and things like that. It was really nice, yeah. And then Abby, he also redesigned this course, made it possible for us to um, reread all the papers um, that were published and all the findings they, they had. So per groups of two, we wrote papers about, about the research, but also maybe some further research that could be done. Yeah, I've loved reading the blog posts and the Instagram posts. It's been really interesting to keep up with. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's nice, right? And it's continuing. We're gonna continue to work on it probably. And then what did you do? in France. Well, I was yeah, lucky enough to, to come. So mostly just going to the countryside in that region. I stayed in the country the whole time. Uh, mostly just stayed in the countryside at places where I had the opportunity to go because we had family or I went to Normandy where my boyfriend is from. 
and uh, then there was this family house we have uh, the close to the German border and uh, it's in the mountains and also a really big garden and I just could be with my family yeah it wasn't that bad because just working from home and being around family mostly yeah that's a luxury a lot of us haven't had this year yeah unfortunately did you do any like biking or hiking kind of thing I know Marie did a lot of that in France so when I was to go from if it was long distance to go from one place to the other I did travel by car but if I was at some place I was in the countryside so I had the opportunity to do a lot of bike rides and and hiking well I'm happy that you got to have such a peaceful summer before your last year because I can imagine this year is going to be intense. Yeah, it sounds like it is going to be. We have internships or field work, as they call it, starting. A lot, yeah, all the courses. And then we have the master's thesis, but I guess that's also the same for you, right? Yeah. Where are you doing your internship this semester? I have the opportunity to work with a contemporary artist, Claudie Jongstra, and she is from uh, Friesland, so that's north of the Netherlands. The project would be to make some sort of historical reconstructions of uh, dyes on wood and on wells. Yeah, that's the project. So you're going to help her make dyes? Yeah, it's interesting. It's very interesting. And it's very different so from cool. what, what the other ones are doing because everyone will be at museum institutions working on paintings and I'm working in a farm with a living artist as well. All right, well, thank you. So after your year didn't really end, at any point because you kept working over the summer. No, that's true. So we had this the turtle thing. We had, I think, lectures every week still on Tuesday morning mostly. And then sometimes we had to write uh, a blog post or uh, peer review a blog post from one of the others. But it was actually quite fine because you did have a structure, you know, in your week because you knew, oh, this is what I have to do for next week. And then every Tuesday morning you had this lecture. So it, it wasn't all bad, actually. It was quite okay. Did you spend all of your summer in the Netherlands? Almost all of the summer. I live in Leiden, so I mostly stayed in Leiden and did fun stuff with my housemates because I have 10 of them, so that's really uh, cozy. And I also went to Austria for slightly more than a week at the beginning of August with four of my very close friends. And we drove to Austria and did walks and just relaxing things, not all walks also uh, nice games and such so that was um, really nice i think it, it took us 13 hours with breaks so not all driving but in total it was about 13 hours and the fun thing is that one day we hiked for 13 hours as well but that was the only day we did like a really intensive hike and we were not really planning on doing 13 hours as well it just sort of happens and then <laughs> we were all really tired you have water Yes, but the thing is with like Austria that there are like small lakes or other natural water sources everywhere. So I could fill my bottle every time. So that was not really a problem. And we were hiking towards like a small cabin. But I really enjoyed it. If I have to be completely honest, I really enjoy walking and hiking and all the intensive stuff as well. So. I mean, it definitely was worth it. I've seen the photos from your trip. Yeah, it was so beautiful. And also because we started walking slightly later in the morning, I think around 10-ish. So of course, then if you do 13 hours of walking, we went back. Well, when we were at the car, it was completely dark. But when we went off the mountain, the sun was going down and it was really beautiful, which made for some nice pictures, yeah. 
Did you spend all of your time in the country or did you go to the city at all? Mostly country, no, I don't really, not really city, no. Yeah, I've only been to Vienna, I haven't been anywhere else in Austria. I've been to Vienna before, but we didn't visit it this time. We uh, went to like a small city, I think it's called Hallstatt. I was in the Gosau area, which normally is like completely filled with tourists. And now it was quite okay, but that was a really, really small, like a uh, picturesque city, not really more like a village type of thing. But most of the time we spent in nature actually and swimming in like the cold lakes as well, because I was there during the heat wave when there was a heat wave in the Netherlands. And it was also very warm in Austria around slightly cooler like 28 degrees something like that but then you have those really nice cool extremely cool actually <laughs> lakes where you can swim in so that helped a lot but I couldn't stay in for more than five minutes yeah slightly up in the mountains because it was so cold so I just did five minutes each time and then just lay in the sun with like crystal clear waters yes Yes, so blue. And also the air over there seems really clean. That's probably also because I think that must happen. <laughs> so then I experienced that in that way, but it, it felt really good. Yeah. Then I also visited the eastern part of the Netherlands for, I think, around a week because my grandparents live over there. So I visited them. Apart from that, I've been in Leiden. I know that you've signed up for some classes this semester that don't have anything to do with conservation. It's actually not really a course, but I'm starting lessons at the Conservatory of Amsterdam. But I'm doing film composition and composition in general, really. I'm starting next week, actually. So that's once every two weeks I will be doing that because I'm also really interested in composition, as uh, most of my uh, classmates know. So I'm really excited to um, learn more about that as well and also for different instruments because now I always compose for piano but I really want to compose for orchestras as well and maybe with singing too some more singer-songwriter still figuring that out but really excited about it well you're on your way you have an album and you did our theme song that's true yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on my way, yeah. Yeah, but I, I'm hopeful that I can um, make more music in the future as well. Like my ideal life would be combining technical artistry and music making because I'm literally always making music, not when I'm studying, but apart from that, I'm always making music or singing or piano playing and also play the cello since last year. And actually in Corona times, I've also started playing the guitar. So now <laughs> I'm trying to do learn as much instruments as I can. I really would like to learn the saxophone still. Hell yeah, you need a brass man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's a plan for the future as well. But first the composition thing, and then I will see uh, what other instruments I need to learn. Uh, like a one woman band, I'm planning on now. <laughs> like everything at the same time. <laughs> like, uh, like one of the old troubadours where you have it, the uh, drums yes, on your please. back and the cymbals in yes. the front. And the yeah. <laughs> That's the dream, the actual dream, yeah. No, but I'm really excited um, to start that. So my weeks are going to be slightly uh, busier even than they were, but as long as I'm enjoying it, then it's fine. All right, well, thank you for talking to me. So you didn't spend much of your break in Amsterdam, right? No, I just came back in the beginning of July for 10 days to finish working on the suitcases. Well, finish working because we didn't finish the work at all. I just started to travel, like little travel, 
So to go back uh, in Annecy, I went through Brussels and Paris and Strasbourg and then down and then through Switzerland to see some friends that I haven't seen uh, for a long time. I also had the chance to move a little bit. So say like uh, I've, so I've been in Switzerland to hike for one week, I think. Oh, wow. In the Alps? No, in uh, Cromontana, which is um, the east part. And yeah, we also moved to, uh, how do you call it, Biarritz. And it's well known for its sea and sun, everything I like. <laughs> a few years ago, I started to like ski hiking. Like, um, oh, what do you call it? Like on flat ground? No, not only. Like you climb the mountain on the ski. Oh, yeah. When you're up, you just take the thing under the ski and poof, go down. But yeah, Biarritz was nice also because it's really close to Bilbao. So we went to the Guggenheim Museum. My family is really not into art, especially not into contemporary art. And we were all five of us. And they were like, yeah, let's go to this. If it makes you happy, we can just, you know, make two hours of car and, and go there. I was like, hmm. Yeah, of course, I'm, I'm interested. And we went there. And so when you arrive to the museum, there is this big Kunz in the front of the museum. So big dog with flowers. And my mom was like, oh, dog with a flower. I love it. I love art. Oh, and also we spent already 15 minutes being around this big dog. It was like, OK, OK, interesting. Let's go inside. And then so I, I was stunned by like 80% of all the artworks. Like, wow, 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 wow. Inside there was another Kunst, colorful tulip. My mom was, ah! So she, <laughs> we left her with the, with the this. tulip, yeah. And, and I think we, we spent like three hours in the museum. And, and in the end, when we went out, everyone had an opinion on the artworks, being like, okay, I like this one, oh, I like this one, machin, machin. And, and I love that. That was really nice because I think it's the first time we really, like, they came into what I'm into. Oh, that sounds lovely. That was lovely. Loved it. So. What did you do this summer? As you very well know, we were both doing an internship together with our paintings lecturer, Emily Fremont. And we were in charge of organizing and archiving all the different samples that Emily collected for her PhD thesis. Her research, in a nutshell, is about how wax resin lining can influence the color of paintings. And to investigate that, she focused primarily on how wax resin impregnation would change the color of the ground. And if the color of the ground is changed, then it would follow that the color of the paint layers would also change. So that meant we had tons of samples of ground applications on opacity charts and canvas and they were kind of yeah like they were organized weren't in any particular order yeah they they were in a box and they were categorized but it was very difficult to find exactly what you were looking for within like the 200 samples that were available. So by using FileMaker Pro, which is a software that's often used by museum professionals for archiving and creating a database of anything like 
it's kind of like an inventory. So we learned how to use the software and create a database where Emily would be able to have all the data collected from the research a little more easily accessible and also help future researchers doing research on the same topic collect and accumulate data and keep it more accessible to other people. So that was on the digital side of archiving things. We also had to deal with the physical side of archiving the samples or at least like creating a storage space that made sense, including um, creating a new like labeling system. There'll be like four different parts to the identity code. So the first two letters would be the category of the sample. For example, if it's a stretched canvas sample, so like a ground applied on a stretched canvas and then had wax resin impregnated in it, then it would have the letters ST at the start of the ID number so that you could immediately tell. With like guitars, the way they have like ID codes for what well, like guitar product numbers is that like they have this specific letters that stand for each type of guitar. The first two letters of the ID number number always denotes whether it's an electric guitar or an acoustic guitar. And then the third and the fourth letter would be like another category, maybe about like the number of strings that it has. So for people who know the system, just by looking at the ID number, they could already tell what the so what the guitar would look like. And we tried to do the same with the sample. So like just by looking at the ID number, we wanted it to be clear to the users of the database. Okay, like this is a stretched sample or like this is a cross section. Etc. And then you also spent some time in Luxembourg this summer. Yeah, um, my family lives in Luxembourg, so most of my summer vacation I spent there. It's actually a fair amount of travel, even though like the Netherlands, Belgium, and Luxembourg, they're like kind of what like categorized together as Benelux. It actually is a seven-hour travel. But it's pretty cool because you can see very well the the difference in like language and culture depending on like how close the country is to like the German border. There's this like geographical connection with like the cultures that you see. So Belgians obviously share a lot with French people. And the Dutch and Luxembourgish seem to share a lot more with the German side of things. And it's also pretty cool to see, like, Luxembourg is completely land-bound. So you have a lot of Dutchies, like, visiting Luxembourg. Like, I totally heard them on, like, hiking trails. So they're there for the mountains. And then apparently the Luxembourgish people, they would go to, like, Belgium or the Netherlands for the water, like, the ocean. So that was also an interesting discovery about this area of the... Of Europe. The semester has started up again, so what have you been doing in paintings? We are starting out with reconstructions of Italian panel paintings from around 14th century, so based on Cennino Cennini's um, Il Libro dell'arte, like, yeah, beautiful pronunciation. <laughs> probably not pronouncing it right. So we're basing our reconstructions on like the techniques that he has written down. So we're making panel paintings made of poplar and with a ground layer of like gesso, so gypsum. So gypsum would be ground and mixed with animal glue. And we'd apply that with brushes several times and wait for it to dry and then apply like another layer. So that was pretty time consuming, but we finally got to the point where we were able to apply the bowl and do some gilding. All right, well, thank you for talking to me. Okay, so you got an internship at Sral this summer. Uh-huh. And 
What can you tell me about getting the internship? I just wrote to Sral and I said, hey, uh, do you have anything I could volunteer for this summer? And then they asked me if I would like to work at the catacombs. And I said, yes, why not? That's all, that's how it was. It's quite simple. They're very approachable at Sral and sometimes you can just email them and they will respond to you and tell you if they have an opening or not. That's nice. The catacombs are the Roman catacombs? Yes. So um, they're the Roman catacombs in uh, Falkenberg. They're actually replicas of the original Roman catacombs in Rome. Uh, and they were made in the nine, in 1910. And it's basically like a highlight tour of the most important Roman catacombs. So the one in Valkenburg is like, they have about 75 crypts and some acrosoliums. And it's more like the best ones separated all throughout Rome in one place in Valkenburg. And uh, most of the ones I think in Rome had so degraded and so old that you can't really see anything. But here in Valkenburg, you can still see some of the paintings that were not visible or not seen in Rome now. Have you worked on wall paintings before? Yes, I have. Back in India, I did a course with the Kotal Institute of Art, and that include a six-week workshop on wall paintings. What's one noticeable difference between canvas or uh, panel paintings and painting wall painting? The scale, first of all. Canvas paintings can be big, but the kind of minute work that you do is at a bigger scale in uh, mural paintings. And also it depends on the site because here there were walls and walls and walls of wall paintings that had to be uh, restored in a time period. The work is more than what you would have on a canvas painting. And another uh, difference I would say is the kind of support. So you work a lot with the uh, fillers and grouts and consolidating mediums are different, paint mediums are different. Yeah, it's a whole different uh, chemistry and a whole different sort of materials to be used. Were you doing more consolidation and like large restoration work or were you doing in paintings as well? I was doing both. There were a lot of plaking, so we had to consolidate a little bit of that. But this site is a little bit different as well. In the catacombs, there is a lot of relative humidity. It's very high. It's about 90% relative humidity, which means that there is a lot of water con condensation happening. Everything is very moist. Also, then the materials that you would use become different because everything that you put in has to be sort of porous and permeable and should not stop the water exchange. Otherwise, there are more problems. So what did you use to do the in paintings? Because when I worked on fresco in Italy, we would use uh, watercolor, water and pigment and gum arabic. Yeah, so we, we were using water and pigment without the gum arabic because gum arabic would catch mold later on. The wall was such that you would put the water and the pigment and it would immediately like uh, suck it in. I also feel like the technique for in-painting is very different on a wall because you don't need as much detail because it's far away. Yeah. So you're not trying to replicate so much. Here we were just trying to make it visually appealing and complete like reintegration, it's not completing the whole wall painting. Whatever is gone is gone, but you try to make it a better complete visual so that people can read the visuals better. And then I know that you also went on some trips this summer outside of your internship. What'd you do? <laughs> yes, I went to uh, the Rhine Valley in Germany and uh, did a lot of uh, lazing around and taking long walks in the vineyards, getting a well-deserved break, I think, after the very stressful year that we had. So I was in a little town called Geisenheim, which is near Wiesbaden. 
which means hot spas or something like that in German. So they also have the natural uh, water springs. Oh, did you do that? No, I wanted to, but because of Corona and COVID, I was a little apprehensive about going there. And I don't think they were open when I was there. But uh, there was also the Rhine flowing and where I was, there were like little beaches made. So you had like your own little private spot where you could do a lot of sunbathing, swimming in the water, looking at the stars in the night, just eating a lot of good food reading a lot. Did you read anything that you liked? I was uh, reading the memoirs of a geisha, which I really, really enjoyed. And then I read The Time Traveler's Wife, which was also a very enjoyable read. Have you seen the movie for that one? Yes, I have. And I don't think the movie does justice to the book because I'm a <laughs> book person. And uh, right now I started with yeah, Schindler's List. Yeah, I haven't gotten the time to get through the first few chapters, so. All right, well, thank you for talking to me. So hi, Paul. Hey, how are you doing? I'm great, thanks. What did you do this summer? From the Corona classes, it all just was a bit watery and then trickled, trickled out. Yeah, and you guys still had to do work for technical or history throughout the summer, right? Yeah, our professor is very enthusiastic, as are we, of course, but uh, about the, the turtle project. And we still wanted to post some blogs and the Instagram kept running. So that, that continued throughout the summer, really. So that's why it was a bit hard to pinpoint the, the beginning. What's the Instagram account? The Turtle Tail. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. At the Turtle Tail. At, at the Turtle Tail. Yeah. No, which is fun. And I think that that project is going to continue now with a natural history museum and WWF. That's fun. But what did I do during the summer? I went to Sicily for a bit, which was lovely. I'd visited uh, Italy a lot, but never that, that far south. So no, it was lovely. The people were amazing. The food was oh, the best, just everything so fresh. Fresh vegetables everywhere and seafood. Oh, lovely. Did you go with friends or family? Uh, with my family and my girlfriend joined as well. So it was uh, the six of us. I have two brothers, one of them who likes culture and the other doesn't. So there's always a bit of conflict. Deciding what to do on vacation is difficult when you have that. Yeah, absolutely. The younger one just wants to play football or I don't know, run. Yeah. Yeah. Not visit temples and more temples and more temples. Which is exactly what you like to do. Yay. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so can you tell me anything about the history of Sicily then? Sounds like you learned a lot. Yes. So Sicily is very interesting because it used to be a Greek colony as well. So there are still places that speak Greek. But then also the Normans were there and also a lot of influence from uh, Islamic cultures. So the architecture of some of these churches and palaces is like such a weird mix of Greek architecture, uh, Normans and Islamic culture. So you get these very recognizable elements for us Western people. But then also the arches and the, the types of decoration are much more Islamic, which either came from Spain or Northern Africa. I'm not sure anymore. And then also these Norman influences. So that's very, very, very interesting. And then there are more well-preserved temples on Sicily than in the entirety of Greece. They're insane because I went to Greece before, but these are just wild. There are these complexes with these temples that are still like very lonely up on a hill. It hasn't like the city hasn't clouded it yet. So even if you're standing on top of the hill, you just have planes of nothingness in front of you. And there was one particular temple, I think it was called Selinunte, which was totally, it wasn't standing upright anymore. It was totally fallen down, but apparently it was one of the biggest ones in classical antiquity. And you just had the stones of the columns and they were so huge. It was 
I think they were like five meters in diameter and you were just standing next to it, imagining what this temple must have looked like. Wow. So what cities did you go to then? Started in Catania, then slept in a tiny, tiny village at the foot of the, the Etna, the volcano. Did you hike Etna? Yes, which was dope. Nice. It was the sickest. Yeah, I didn't know how, how cool volcanoes were really. Because at night we were sleeping at the foot of the Etna and it would be totally dark. But then at the top of the Etna, you would just see a red dot and like fire because it's just always active. Yeah, and we climbed it, which was super fun. Yeah. And then we also went to Palermo, which was a lovely city. Very, very busy and chaotic, but very cool. Yeah, and we, we actually started in Naples and then we drove down to Sicily and took a ferry. So we also went to Naples. Oh, wow. You got to see so much of Sicily. That's nice. I mean, it sounds like your summer was pretty much defined by this trip. Yeah, true. Because the rest, you know, at home, it continued the same way as during the whole Corona thing, but now without classes. So what that was is recording music from my bedroom and then with other people recording in their bedrooms and sending each other music files and then making music. Oh, it must be a lot of listening with Corona. A lot of listening. Yeah. Which is lovely, though. A lot of collaboration started only because there was a lockdown. So we'll see if, if, if anything fruitful will come from that. I think so. And then Technical Art History started up again this week. So what have you guys been doing that's new? We have a super cool course. I'm so happy. It's called Object Analysis. The whole thing is that we as a group, or sometimes I think in the past, all students would get their individual object. But you get an object about which nothing really is known, just like vaguely. And then we get to use basically any technique we want or um, anything we want to do to figure out what this object is. So we got this beautiful, we think, yeah, it's somewhere between the late 14th and early 16th century sculpture of either, at first we thought St. George, now we think maybe it's also St. Michael. It's a beautiful wooden sculpture with a lot of original paint layers and gilding still present. And then we get to do whatever. So we did dendrochronology this week with an expert on that. And we're doing CT scanning next, next week and taking samples. And then we're going to try and figure out what this sculpture is, who made it, when it was made, how did it come into the collection of the Rijksmuseum, etc. So that's super fun. It's so nice. It came in like this super nice box and then it was unpacked and we were all very excited. And there's, uh, there's loose pieces and something broke off. So we're going to try and make 3D scans as well and make a reconstruction in 3D. Nice. And then you also got an internship, right? Yeah, we also all have internships. I'm doing an internship with Erma at the Rijksmuseum with the Nightwatch project related to smalt, a pigment, a blue pigment that was used a lot in the 17th century. And Hermann used it quite a lot. So that's very exciting because before I started this master's, I had done some research into the pigment. So it's nice to be able to continue with that now. And Friday, I was in the glass box of the Nightwatch for the first time. And that was, oh, that was very exciting. So professional. So professional. Yeah, you got this coat that on the back said, what, I think it said Operation Nightwatch or something. So it looked very, uh, very bougie. All right. Well, thank you for sitting down with me and talking about your summer. Yeah, of course. For a closer look inside the program, please follow us on Instagram at ecpodcast. And email us any of your questions and comments at ecpodcastxxx at gmail.com. This podcast is edited by Rachel Kreedberg. Our theme song is by Mene van Feldhausen and Paul van Laar. Our logo is designed by Adler Papiernik. If you liked this episode, please leave a review and subscribe.